0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC-TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi there, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 376, recorded on Monday the 23rd of April, 2018. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. It is currently 1-1 Toronto and Boston in game six of their series, in case anyone who's listening cares. Uh, But I really, really do. So I'm going to be following along as the game goes tonight, (laughs) I think.
1: So 1-1, does that mean everybody's winning or nobody is?
0: It means it's currently a tie, Jason. It means nobody is winning. But it's an elimination game. So if the Leafs lose, they are out. And I don't want to see that happen.
1: Well, they're both in. They're both teams are in the playoffs. So, and it's one one. So, I'm thinking everybody's winning. Okay, everybody's. They're all winning. making pretty good coin for doing that. So, I I consider them all winning. We are all winners. Them <laughs> are all winners. We are not. We are not making pretty good coin by them winning, unless you put some money on the game. No money on the game. I do. I do not bet on
0: sporting events. I don't bet on anything really.
1: Okay, that's good. All right.
0: Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We are here to talk about the first two episodes of Season 4 of Fear the Walking Dead. Of course, the first one premiered immediately following the season premiere of The Walking Dead, the main show. And since we had to cover that, we thought we'd leave it until this week and uh, talk about both the episodes right here, right now. But first, I just want to thank everyone who entered our Season 8 Record Your Favorite Scene contest. The deadline is now passed, of course, just under 24 hours ago on Sunday night. And we did get uh, a in sort of an increase in the frequency or number of entries towards the deadline there, so that is great. Jason and I will be listening to them slap fighting about it and picking our winner this week sometime so that we can announce it on our next podcast. Mm -hmm. We need a week to review them and make sure we come to a consensus on the winner.
1: AKA slap fight.
0: That's right. So thanks again, everyone for uh, entering that. Stay tuned next time to find out if you are the lucky person who wins that big box of stuff. Uh, All right. So otherwise, we have two episodes to talk about here, Jason. So I think we should get right into it. Now, if anyone's been listening to us for some time, you may recall that we do this a little differently than when we talk about the main Walking Dead show in that we don't go through a detailed sort of scene by scene recap. And instead, we just kind of chat about it and talk about what we liked or what we didn't or how the episode was and what happened and stuff like that. Yep. It's a little bit different. It's more of a review than a recap, but same idea kind of in the end. You think so? Well, I mean, it's it feels different when we do it, but at the end of the day, we're just talking about the episode and kind of giving our thoughts, right?
1: Cool. Yeah, I have thoughts. <laughs> you have thoughts? One? I have at least two thoughts, and I rub them together to make a third. <laughs> <laughs> I know one of your thoughts tonight is, I'd
0: like to go to bed, but we'll get, yeah. you know. No, your- about the show. <laughs> All right. Well, season four, episode one was called What's Your Story? And this premiered last week, as I said, right after The uh, Walking Dead. And I've got to admit, it sort of, you know, at least the beginning of it to me felt a little bit like season 8 episode 17 of the walking dead rather than season 4 episode 1 of fear but what are your overall thoughts on it this one was pretty morgan heavy and explained what happened to him and kind of why and how he made the transition to the other show but uh, what did, what did you think of it in general
1: i actually really liked it i i'm not sure what uh, what it is about fear the walking dead but uh, it's i think it benefits from the lack of expectations on my part uh so i i really like the introduction of uh john dory Mm uh uh, garrett dillahunt whom i love and i'm i'm about to uh start a a a man crush on this guy for the rest of this season at least or until he dies (laughs) Uh, because i have to replace Stephen Ogg, but uh, this guy's a close second this guy is awesome uh overall the show we'll talk more about him and specifically why i like him uh but uh overall i really uh, i really did like the show i i liked the uh, i liked the episode i liked the character the way the new characters were introduced i mostly liked the way they told the story of how morgan got down to texas uh huh And how he walked past a Texas sign to tell us that he was in Texas eventually. (laughs)
0: Okay. Well, that's what, that's, that's how shows and movies, you know, determine where people are by showing road signs as they drive past them or walk past them or whatever.
1: Yeah. Or a walking montage.
0: Or a walking. montage. we kind of got both in this episode.
1: We did kind of get both, didn't we?
0: Yeah. Um. But the first, I don't know, 10 minutes or so of of this episode was Morgan living in the former scavenger's home in in the big junk heap, and he was being visited by some of his friends from Hilltop slash Alexandria. So, you know, Jesus comes to see him, Carol comes to see him, and Rick comes to see him. So that was a bit of a fun surprise to see those other characters come across to the other show. That, you know, and we, which we didn't know was going to happen. We, we thought Morgan was the only guy moving over to fear. And obviously those other characters aren't officially like changing shows, but
1: they were yeah, there. It was, it was a bonus crossover. It, it was
0: like sort of a bonus crossover. Exactly. And really all three of them kind of had the same thing to say. They, they told them they care about him. He's really important. And, you know, especially Rick and Carol, I think they they really were trying to convince him to come back because he's an important part of this group but it uh in the end morgan still decides to leave and i got to admit i found that a little bit sad i wanted
1: him to stay with his friends you know no well first of all we knew that this was happening so i don't know what you know where your expectations or wants came into play but uh i think that's why he left He's like, I'm hanging out here to be left alone, and you fuckers are coming over here every fifteen <laughs> minutes to bug me. I can't even have a goddamn meal by myself. I have to leave. I mean, sure, he sat at the crossroads, literal and figurative, sat at the crossroads for like a day, deciding whether or not he should actually leave. Yeah, which was silly because we all knew he was leaving. Why would he spend a you know all this time thinking about it and then pack a pack and then walk down the road and then think about it?
0: Well, I mean, it's not the easiest decision to make. He's obviously leaving for good or for a long journey. So he, it's going to take some contemplation on his part before he's just going to up and go leave,
1: right? Do that where you have a comfy bed to sleep on or, you know, a pile of rags.
0: Well, no, he would have had a comfy bed unless Jadis took her mattress with her.
1: Well, she probably locked up that room. It's like, if I'm leaving here... I'm not going to, you're not going to sleep in my bed, you creepoid. I'm going to lock that up and you can sleep on somebody else's bed or pile up some oily rags and sleep on those and try not to catch fire.
0: Well, yeah, (laughs) do your best not to catch fire. Yeah. That whole crossroads scene, you're right. It might've been, it might've been a little bit unnecessary, a little bit on the nose as he sits down there and decides what he's going to do, right? Go one way or the other, but it didn't really bother me that much, to be honest. He- he he had to contemplate this decision, and sitting at the literal crossroads is where you do that sort of thing.
1: It was a little too on the nose. It was yeah. my only problem with it.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I, I can see that. But Rick told him straight up, you can hide, but you can't run. And this felt like the line that kind of convinced Morgan to leave for good. Yep. You know, Rick was there to convince him to come back, but in the end, he... Sort of pushed him away a little bit, and then again, Morgan decides literally to run from those crossroads, and you know, <laughs> he
1: stays there. For, I forgot about that. Yeah, he stays there for a day, a night, and a day, and he gets up and he runs,
0: and he runs. Yeah, it, I mean, you laugh, and it it sounds silly now, but I didn't think it was silly in the context of the episode.
1: Well, did he think somebody was going to spot him after spending 24 hours there or 20 hours or whatever? He says like, oh, shit, I better get out of here before somebody spots me He uh, tries to talk me out of this.
0: I, I feel like it was kind of him maybe with internally going, I'm just going to start running and get as far away as I can as fast as I possibly can. So that if I do change my mind, well, I'm too far away now. I got to stay out here. Yeah, that's
1: true. (laughs) Do you you think uh, Jesus, Carol, and Rick actually showed up or that they were just imaginary?
0: Oh God, I I hadn't even considered that. But no, doesn't he only hallucinate people that are dead? No, 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 Henry wasn't
1: dead. So, well, the thing is like the, the cuts between them were awfully sudden. So the first one after Jesus was there was just like, snap, and he's gone. I'm thinking... Was he really there? And then Carol shows up, and then it cut jump cut again, and nah. she's gone. So I, I agree with you that I think that they were actually there, but I had my doubts at the beginning.
0: No, yeah, I think they were really there. I it, I never even considered the idea that they might not be, but I think Morgan's days of seeing hallucinations of people are behind him now. Not at that moment, because right. it was before anything had happened, but... I think they were really there. I think those were his friends coming to try and say, look, we know you have some issues, but we're all here for you. You can come and live with us. We wouldn't be around if you hadn't have done these things, you know, in some cases and saved us. So, you know, come hang out with us. (laughs) And it ultimately had the opposite effect on him.
1: (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if you could outrun your hallucinations?
0: It's impossible, but it would be nice. (laughs) I know I'd like to outrun some of mine.
1: Yeah, Morgan did it. Good <laughs> for did. you, buddy. Good for him.
0: Well, um, so John Dory, he was the cold open, the introduction of this character. And you've already mentioned him, but
1: I, I love this character too. And I oh, think- Oh, he's so, he's like, they, oh, I'm speechless and I'm a little <laughs> bit uh, choked up. Well- He was such a gunslinger and it's so awesome. And they even called him a gunslinger. They did. And,
0: you know, now that you've decided that, you love him this much. I'm a little worried for him because the last <laughs> character, I should say the last man you fell in love with this much was, um, killed and became a zombie. He,
1: he, he lasted quite a long time though.
0: He did. So let's hope Mr. Dory makes it through at least well, where does, the entire where, season.
1: Where does Garrett, uh, Dillahunt fall in the, uh, the cast? Well, Is I don't, he a regular now or guest, uh, guest also starring or what's what's, where does he stand?
0: I, I don't know. To be honest, I'd have to see what it says on the opening credits. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's an also starring right now. Right. But, okay. but I don't know that for sure, but I do get the feeling he's going to be around for a while. Like if he survived the first episode, I think they're going to hang on to him for a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, he's got to find his, uh, his, his other gun, right? Like, uh, Laura has his other gun. Uh, mm-hmm. That has his initials on them, and right? They're, uh, which is weird because they're antiques, uh, and they're re- it's really old. Did you notice how you have to load it one bullet at a time? Yeah, that may- that means it's a really old uh, revolver.
0: He was he was. They showed him reloading that gun more than once in the episode, which yeah. seems. I mean, I, I understand really enjoying the the weapon, but seems like if he's in a tight spot and he has to reload, it's not going to be good for him.
1: Yeah, well, that's, you know, the downside of an antique revolver like that is uh, you really got (laughs) to spend some time uh, reloading it. Yeah, totally. Um, But he he can't die until that storyline's resolved. It
0: it, it did seem to be a big deal. So he's looking for Laura, right? Is that her name? Yeah, yeah. Now, we know a Laura from, from the main show, but not her, right?
1: No, she, yeah, and she doesn't have the John Dory gun.
0: No, that's right. That's right.
1: But he's got the coat. And did you see him twirl the, the pistol when he put it back in his holster? Very, very that? cool. Yes, I did. And, and the hat. Yeah. And the, the speech pattern. Oh, he's... Yeah. And it Garrett Dillahunt. Perfect.
0: You know, I don't know this this actor, really, although I know he's pretty popular. But I agree. I, I love him immediately, right? And the scene that they opened with, where he's basically just talking to himself and he reveals that he hasn't spoken out loud for a year, I was just fascinated by it. He did a great job and it's an interesting concept too. And it was, for me, it was a great way to communicate to the audience what this guy has been through for the last 12 months or more. Um, And it was, I just found him fascinating to watch and the way it ended with, um, you know, you think maybe he's just talking to a zombie at first, but then of course, uh, Morgan shows up behind him, and you're like, "This is really interesting. I can't wait to see where these two characters go together."
1: Yeah, and he's he's been in shows a bunch of shows that I've been telling you about that are great that you never watch, like uh, Justified uh, and uh, Deadwood and Sarah Connor Chronicles. So, is you he never
0: watched those? I watched a little bit of Sarah Connor, but it sounds like he's he, in the second season of that. Sounds like he plays a uh, sort of western type character a lot if he was in Deadwood and and, uh, Justified.
1: I mean, he he was also in, you know, Sarah Connor Chronicles. He played a, uh, uh, one of the, an early, uh, I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I watched it, but he was a Terminator. He was a computer. Oh, cool. So uh, he he did a really good job and he was in Raising Hope. I didn't see a lot of episodes of Raising Hope, but I did see uh, maybe five or ten of them. And as a comedic actor, he did a great job there too.
0: Okay, well, I want to commit right here, right now, to doing an actor spotlight on this guy once the first half of Fear is done, sometime over the summer.
1: Sure, let's do it.
0: I'm excited to do that. I want to see more of his stuff. Uh, Before we move on, how amazing was the new Fear the Walking Dead title graphic? Oh, yeah. Or like title uh, thing?
1: Yeah, let's just make it a Western. Finally. Finally, fine. Well,
0: Uh, yeah, make it a Western, but I mean, the way it's not just the logo on black anymore. It's, it's a, both episodes actually had the same like audio tag, same music, and it's a, it's sort of like a beautiful shot that's relevant to the episode in some way. So in this case, in the first one, we saw, um, John Dory, I guess sitting by the fire just with this expansive big landscape shot and this really awesome bit of music that I like and then the logo comes up. I th- th- I prefer this to the main walking dead credits any day.
1: <laughs> Me too actually.
0: They're so good. So I was excited to see that. Anyways, let's uh we get into the episode and we meet Althea, who sort of goes yep. by Al, um played by Oh, what's her name? Maggie Maggie Grace Grace from Lost. I
1: forgot you told me that she was going to be in this. And I'm like, shit, I know her from somewhere. Shit, I know her from somewhere. Yeah. Holy crap. It's, what's her name from Lost? That's right. Uh,
0: And very cool. Another very cool character. She drives around in a giant, like, armored SWAT vehicle, has it rigged up with machine guns. I have a problem with the vehicle. And (sighs) takes no shit from anybody. What's your problem with the vehicle?
1: Well, it seems like a bit of a gas hog to just drive around in the apocalypse. You need something a little more economical. Like where's she going to find the diesel for that? Well, I know what you're saying, but I've,
0: I've moved past complaining about the availability of fuel gas for cars in both of these shows. Uh, because listeners have told us numerous times that gas does expire. If unused, it just won't work anymore. And I I had that problem with my lawnmower last summer. You just left the gas in it and it wouldn't start?
1: Well, the summer before, uh, when Jenny was uh, was pregnant with Jasper, uh, we didn't have time for the yard, so we hired uh, a company to do the yard work that year. So They came out once a week and mowed the lawn and raked everything. It was fucking magical, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> great. It was great. But last year, we didn't do that because we wanted to save the money because now we had a baby. Sure. And so I pulled a lawnmower out that I hadn't... Uh, cared about for a long time. And I tried to start it. It would not start. It would not start. And it'd run for a little while and it would, not, it would not keep running. Sure. So what I ended up doing was siphoning out the gas and putting in new gas and everything was fine.
0: Right. So, and that was like 12 to 18 months probably between uses, maybe not even yeah. that much. Yeah. And the gas didn't work. But here we have cars like three years in and they just. T- jump in and start them right up. So
1: And a full tank of gas Morgan had here too when he was doing his travels, just like turned it on. It's like a whole full tank of gas. Well, I'll be dipped in shit. There you go.
0: I mean, that's, I, you know, luck aside, that's fine. It's just that, you know, I've moved on from from worrying about that. It's just in this world, gas works after as long as you want and that's okay. So yeah, um, Al or Althea might have trouble finding the fuel for her giant vehicle, but you can't deny it's a pretty cool truck and a pretty good, like, zombie apocalypse command center vehicle.
1: Good thing everybody, uh, you know, lines up on the left-hand side of that vehicle or on the driver's side, because that's the only way those guns point, you'll notice.
0: Yeah, it's true. I think she goes out of her way to make sure that that's... The, she always pulls up with the enemies to that side.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's awfully convenient. Yeah. Uh, I guess, ironically... Uh, it would be easier to find diesel in the northern half of the U.S. and Canada because, I don't know if you know this, but uh, heating oil for houses yeah. is diesel. Oh, really? You know same stuff? It's the same stuff. But, they put a dye in it. But nobody so it's a different color than
0: diesel. Not many people heat their house houses with uh, oil anymore. Uh, no, not many, but more than in Texas, I would think. Oh, well, maybe. Well, in Texas, they probably don't even have... Like I don't know furnaces,
1: <laughs> so uh, they put the they put a dye in the uh, in the heating oil so that you don't use it in your truck because uh, heating oil for houses is has a lot less tax than oil for uh, diesel for your truck. Oh, but diesel you for your car, so you
0: could put it in your car if you wanted to.
1: Yes, but oh, if you if people notice that uh, you're buying like the companies that sell heating oil for your houses notice that you're buying a lot of it more than what you should, they'll probably you know they have to you know let the authorities know and then they go and siphon gas from your truck or tractor or what have you and if it's got sure. the pink dye in it you buddy are not using heating oil for heating you're using it for driving your truck i see the, well
0: before anyone writes in the
1: only reason i say they
0: probably don't have furnaces in texas is because I, you know i know people in california whose houses don't have like heating right they don't have a furnace for heating they have cooling systems because it's yeah. hot. So, and I, so I kind of assume that's the same case in Texas, but I don't know. I don't know for sure.
1: Yeah. Who, who, who the hell knows yeah. what's going on down
0: there? Certainly not me. <laughs> I've only spent a few <laughs> days in Texas in my whole life.
1: Few. I don't think I've ever been to Texas.
0: Super fun days though, I'll tell you. That was a lot of good, that was a good time.
1: In my heart, I've been to Texas, but not in, you know, my actual physical being.
0: That's because you wish you were as cool as John Dory in a gunslinger in Texas. Well,
1: that goes without saying. <laughs> Obviously. Uh,
0: what did you think of Althea as a character though? I think she's pretty cool.
1: I think she's pretty cool too. I think this is the first thing I've ever seen Maggie Grace in that I actually like her in. You didn't, you like Lost. You didn't like- I liked Lost. I really hated Shannon. I thought she was Uh, an annoying character and was hoping that she would die. (laughs) And she did, spoiler alert. It was fantastic. That was a good day. Fair
0: enough. Okay. Um, now- So they start traveling together a little bit. Morgan, she rescues them, basically, uh, John and and Morgan, because they've run into a group of bad guys led by a guy named Leland, and they end up having a big sort of action set piece fight with these guys. Now, essentially, they're, they're fighting off the bad guys, Leland's guys. A whole bunch of zombies get let out of some trailers and small buildings nearby. So they're also fighting through those. And Morgan actually gets shot during the fight, shot in the leg.
1: Yeah. but I was the stormtrooper.
0: The stormtrooper who what? Who couldn't hit anything, but then couldn't hit a guy hit the The only, only
1: thing he can hit is plot points. <laughs>
0: well, you know, he was a bad guy. He was up on the roof and, uh, Morgan was, I mean, what I thought was a pretty cool scene running across the roof, trying to get to him, um, And then the guy turns around and shoots him in the leg. And I was a bit surprised. I thought Morgan would sort of be a hero in this episode, but he goes down with a gunshot. Now, to be fair, the gunshot to his leg didn't seem to hinder him all that much because he was able to get back up, run at the guy and continue the fight. But he he was still shot and I was surprised. And I thought to myself, oh my God, what's going to happen? Uh-oh, he's injured.
1: Yeah. I mean... The injury only seemed to become really apparent during non-times of actually needing his leg. When he needed his leg, it was fine. When he didn't need his leg, he was limping like a son of a bitch.
0: You're right. And, you know, again, I don't want to complain too much about that, but I do think it would have been a little bit more realistic for Morgan to actually, you know, have gone down and been unable to get up. And they have to, they have to deal with that in some other way than have him able to, like, pop back up and take the guy out. Now, he was... The guy was reloading. Is that what happened when Morgan took the chance to run at him and, and get him?
1: I don't recall. The guy, Maybe
0: he paused shooting somehow for some reason and it might've been reloading. But anyways, um, overall I thought a, uh, pretty great like fight scene or action set piece and yep. I, I enjoyed it. And then at one point Morgan drops into one of the, the trailers full of zombies grabs a grenade off of yep. one of the zombies and attaches it or or pulls the pin, throws it then, into the into the pile of zombies and then bathtubs it to stay yep. out of the way of the shrapnel.
1: <laughs> okay, a couple of things here.
0: Pretty pretty big hero moment, I think.
1: It was it was a big hero moment, especially with a bum leg. Uh so a couple of things here. Uh one, he pulled the grenade pin with his teeth. Don't do that, folks. They're like they got a ring on it for like pulling with your finger. Yeah but so, I mean, pulling it with your teeth, that's a very big hero thing.
0: Yeah, every action hero I've ever seen pulls a grenade pin with their teeth. I figured that's just the way you do it.
1: It's impractical. No, it's not the way you do it. Oh, all right. And uh, the second thing is uh, I actually yelled at the TV. Well, the computer screen because I I bought this series on iTunes and I watched it on my computer. But I yelled at the TV. I'm not going to yell right now because my son is asleep and he might wake up three floors up, but... uh, I yelled, "Holy fuck! That's what a grenade does." That is what happened with that grenade. Is the first time I've seen something on The Walking Dead actually behave the way it's supposed to. No fire, uh-huh. just concussion, like or you know, shrapnel, mm-hmm. killing everything around. Being in a bathtub, it's a metal bathtub, so it probably would help a little bit. It did also help that he was, you know, through a thin wall or whatever. So I can, I actually buy the bathtub thing. Right. And the grenade did what it's supposed to do. Right. It didn't light the place on fire,
0: which grenades don't do. They just spray shrapnel all over the place and you get little bits of it in you.
1: Yeah, shrapnel. You get the, you know, it clears a room. When you get a whole bunch of people in a knot, you throw in a grenade, it uh, makes the people disperse. Right. Either in pieces or in whole when they dive for cover. Yeah. And that's that's a good point. I hadn't
0: really thought about that, but... The, it, it doesn't explode in a ball of fire and he's protected by a wall and a bathtub, which is decent protection from a grenade. Yeah. If you're far enough away.
1: It's not ideal, but he wasn't in, in an ideal situation. Right. You know? So, yeah, exactly. Uh, he did what he had to do. It was either this or the refrigerator, right? And we know the refrigerator would have been excellent because you can survive a nuclear blast. We do know with that. With refrigerator. That's right. We know that for a fact. <laughs> uh, we saw Indiana Jones do it. So it's true. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you don't. It's true fact. True fact. Now, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was very, very happy with uh, how that turned out.
0: Cool. Um, let me ask you a, a quick sidebar question. Whenever you see people jump on grenades to, yep. um, to save, sacrifice themselves and save everybody else in their group, basically yep. they smother the grenade in real life. Would that work or would you just be blown apart and everyone else still gets the shrapnel in them? In real life, it has worked. It has. So your body is dense enough to prevent the shrapnel from spreading too far.
1: Yeah. I think there's probably some shrapnel that gets out, but uh, depending on the person, depending on the, uh, the grenade, depending on the situation, depending on physics and all kinds of stuff. But I can tell you that people have done that and it has saved their buddies.
0: Interesting. All right. Well, I was just wondering because that's something you see in movies a lot too. And I've always wondered if that would actually work.
1: Yeah, grenades are not, uh, they're not meant to be super powerful, right? You don't want to actually blow up a building with a grenade. No. You want to throw a grenade in and disperse the people that are in right. the grenade's path. Right, right.
0: Uh, and that's horrifying to think about, but that's what grenades are for.
1: Yeah, they're not meant to be super explosive. They're they are meant to solve a specific need. And it's usually close, close quarters not usually, can be close quarters need, whether you're in a building or... Because uh, you want to get people clumped together. This is the problem with clumping. This is why you got to spread out. Yeah. Because then people tend not to use grenades because they're a waste... Of, uh, it's a waste of ordnance. You throw a grenade and you take out one guy. Sure, you take out one guy, but you could have done that, done that with a bullet. Why waste a grenade? Got it. Okay. Right? So if you get like five, six people all tightened in a tight knot, that's when you throw a grenade. I guess so. <laughs> or, you know, that's what the... uh uh, in Vietnam, they have all, all the holes, uh, the tunnels, uh, that, you know, the tunnel rats would have to go into. The first thing you do is you take a pistol cause you know, having a, a uh, an assault rifle doesn't do you any good in a tunnel. You throw a grenade, mm-hmm. boom. And then once you throw that grenade and it goes, boom, you're pretty sure that whatever was in the room, the grenade was in doesn't have people in it anymore. Uh-huh. Like I said, they're either in pieces or they're somewhere else. Right. <laughs> so you can, you can feel safe about going into that room. I guess so. Anyway, grenade good. I was very happy about this. I'm. I just. I'm sorry to harp on it, but uh, it's the first time The Walking Dead in a long time has done something in my opinion, is right. Cool. As far as uh, weapons or firearms or explosions go.
0: Good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, all right. It's uh, it's two one Maple Leafs now. Mitch Marner just scored a goal. They also had a goal called back, so uh, that was disappointing. But it's now two one in the second period.
1: So, so what happens there? The uh, the the puck listens and says, "I'm." It goes back? No, there... Remote control puck?
0: There was a goal that was uh, deemed illegal due to goaltender interference, and they called it back.
1: Did somebody get charged?
0: Uh, That's right. Someone gets charged. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So before we move on from this episode, uh, a couple more things I I wanted to point out. Uh, The whole thing felt, you know, obviously, maybe this is obvious, sorry if it is, but it was a a literal and a figurative journey for Morgan because, of course, he literally moved from the East Coast down to Texas, so he he did go on a journey that way. But, you know, he also kind of changed his his outlook, um, I think, by the end of the episode anyways. There was the scene where, near the end, where he sees the walker on the road, the Jared-looking walker, and it turns out, You know, he thinks he is hallucinating Jared again, but it turns out that, uh, it wasn't. And I felt like this was a moment that he realizes it's not Jared. It's not a hallucination. It's just another walker on the road. And this is the second where he kind of puts his past behind him and he agrees to go and travel with John and Althea.
1: Yeah. And he uses the zombie end of the stick.
0: Uh, for the zombie. Yeah. Exactly. That's, and, and, and that's important too, right? this this end for the dead the other end for the living um but i but i really liked that i mean it was it was a good representation of morgan's kind of turning point i think to at least start coming back the other way and and um he's in a different location and he's in a different mindset and i think it's yeah. going to be good for him
1: and he saved the guy in the shootout right cuz uh, the guy that shot him Uh, went over the edge of the, uh, off the edge of the roof and pulled him back. And then there was, and then the guy attacked Morgan again. And that's why they fell uh, onto the roof of the, uh, and through the roof of the, um, of the trailer into that pit of zombies where he used a grenade. Right. So even in the heat
0: of the moment, Morgan took the, um, you know, took the uh, advice of Jesus and actually saved the guy.
1: Yeah. So he, yeah, he pulled that guy up back from the brink and the guy was a shithead and had to die anyway but uh, uh at least morgan made the right right call he did Look at morgan. morgan's mercy prevailed over his wrath it really did. Never did but morgan's <laughs> did it did in
0: this in this case that's right yeah. um and then just looking at the difference between john dory and morgan you know we've we've mentioned that john is out there looking for laura who has the other gun and at, at one moment he says that he knows he'll probably never find her, but at the same time, he doesn't think about it all that far ahead. He just thinks, I'm looking for her now and I'm going to keep looking for her, but I don't worry about the fact that, you know, deep down, I, I kind of know that I probably will never find her because the world is big and there's not a lot of people left and who knows where she could be. Um, and I And it occurred to me that Morgan kind of, you know, he sort of takes the opposite approach where he, he focuses on the little things and he always, you know, for a long time there was coming down on the negative side of stuff. And, uh, I think in the end, if they stick together for a while, which I have to assume they will, that John's going to end up being a really good influence on Morgan and really helping him sort of get his mind back in the right place.
1: Yeah. The only thing I worry about is that, uh, 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 John Dory was a little too on the nose for uh, Roland from the Dark Tower series. A gunslinger uh, looking for something that he probably will never find. Like too similar uh,
0: to the character, you mean?
1: Yeah, he's a gunslinger. He has, uh, you know, the cloak and the uh, the hat and uh, the big guns. But he doesn't, it's, you know, not what the sandalwood handles. Uh, but he's looking for his other gun, which is sort of like looking for the Dark Tower, something he will probably never find. Uh, but he has to spend his life searching for. It was a little too similar for me, but uh, you know, uh, uh, Garrett Dillahunt was so awesome that I'll forgive it. You can let it. You can I, let it go. Uh, it's so hard that I'm so sad about that movie. But the books were so good, and I wanted so much for that movie to be so much better, and it so wasn't.
0: I did not see it, uh, and I've only read the first Gunslinger book, but I enjoyed the first book, although... It's a good book. I have to admit, I didn't really have a lot of, like, it didn't leave me wanting to go and read the other eight, or seven, or however many there are.
1: Well, you have to remember that there was 20-some-odd years between the first book and the rest of the other books, and, uh, uh... You know, this was something that was rattling around in Stephen King's head for a long time. Yeah. That book is meant to be kind of a standalone novella kind of thing. And it it's does. It's not meant to be a thing. Right. That compels you to read the rest of the story. It's meant to be a, what the fuck? That was kind of surreal.
0: Sure. And it was for sure. And I liked it. So if I read the second book, then I'm probably stuck and have to read all of them.
1: Yeah. If you okay. read the second book, you're going to be rattling the phrases around in your head, like, did a chick, did a chum. <laughs> Did a check. <laughs>
0: I don't know what that means, but I maybe someday I'll find out. I don't know. Yeah. Lobstrosities. Okay. <laughs> uh, so anyways, and then one last thing is the regular cast of the show didn't show up until the, basically the last minute when, um, they kind of ambushed our three, the three people we've been following on the road. And I, I was fascinated by this scene because you have no idea what's going on. But I was also a little upset to see them appear to be in such rough shape. Like, they did they did not seem to be friendly. They didn't seem to be, um, I mean, at the time, anyways, I thought they were kind of uh, beaten down a little bit. Like, you know, maybe homeless. Who knows what was going on?
1: Well, Alicia didn't have a weapon. Well, she did. She sort of had this metal a punched metal thing that had a pointy end to it. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, they were as a group, they're in pretty rough shape. That's what I mean. They looked like they
0: were in rough shape and it, it was kind of all an act, but we don't really know that at the time. And, but I was, I was ready to just see, everybody be good, be friendly, but you know, this is the walking dead. So that can't happen. That being yeah. said, when we get into the second episode, there is a fair bit of that. So I felt better at, about it then, but at this moment it was, it was an intriguing end to the episode. And I was, uh, I was kind of glad that I waited until Saturday morning, uh, just a couple of days ago to watch this episode in full. Cause I saw the, the beginning bit back last Sunday night Uh, and then I watched the rest of it yesterday morning or Saturday morning. So I was kind of glad that I waited so that I didn't have a long break until episode two, where I could find out what the next, uh, or, you know, what was going to happen next.
1: Yeah. I, uh, the only problem I had with the ending of this was, uh, you know, just tactical. It was, uh, you know, there's a lone person on the road that will not pay attention to your, uh, commands. So what do you do? You walk right up to them. Sure. You don't do that. you say, and there was uh, obviously an arm or a hand or something, uh, that was being hidden from view. Like I could tell that from like 40 meters away uh, and, and, you know, looking through the lens of a camera. It's like, yeah, they're obviously, she's obviously tricking them. Come on, clue in. Morgan would clue in. Morgan would know this shit. You think he
0: might, but I didn't know it was Alicia at the time. Like I had no idea who it was. I thought maybe it was, um... You know lucy or or one of the other characters on the show, but last week well, I knew it
1: was one of our intrepid heroes, like that was obvious right well
0: i I didn't even know that for sure. I couldn't tell who it was until she stood up, and even then, with all her hair in her face, I'm like, "Is that her? She looks kind of rough am i Who am I looking at here?" But then it became clear because Strand walked out, and Nick walked out, and yeah, so. Uh, anyways, I thought it was a a great finish to the episode and just overall a really fantastic episode. Actually, it was, it was amazing to see Morgan. I think they handled the transition from one show to the other really well. His travel time was not really extended, but it was just enough that you got the feeling that he was on the road for a while. We didn't talk about that guy in the backseat of the car he encountered and tried to help. And the dude said, nope. I don't need help. Just go. I'm basically dying, which was another thing for Morgan. You know, he's trying to leave some supplies for the guy, but he turns him down. Um, But overall, yeah, really, really good start to fear season four, I think.
1: Yeah. And I think the, the John Dory showing up, excuse me, uh, John Dory showing up to help save Morgan when he gets captured by those guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) He shoots the gun out of his hand. So I, okay. So, that was also another gunslinger moment. Then the guy calls him a gunslinger. He's got the, uh, he's got the Colt, which he's such the part. It's like kind of scary and sad and and crazy and awesome. All mixed into one, but he shoots him and basically uh, gets himself into the same situation as, uh, as Morgan and seems happy about it because Morgan's is, you know, the first friend he's seen in a long time. He's like, that's my buddy. I'm just helping him out. Sorry. I have to start off by apologizing for shooting the gun out of your hand. Well, that's right. He's <laughs> just, you know, he's uh he's competent. He's uh a dead a dead shot uh and very cool and nice and uh compassionate all at the same time. And there's and this is what Garrett Dillahunt brings to these roles that I've been telling you about. He's just, he's this guy that can take all this stuff and make it into a cohesive, awesome character.
0: Well, he is an awesome character. And I can't, and I have to say, I feel like there's a little bit of, um, a simpleton nature to him. Like, I'm not saying he's dumb, but he wears his heart on his sleeve. He does a little bit when you're right. When he comes out and he's captured and he says, I just want to take this opportunity to apologize for shooting the gun out of your hand. (laughs) Like, that's not something a person who's afraid for their life says. Right. And then later, right before the big fight with Leland's guys, Morgan's trying to leave and he walks up behind him and he offers him like fresh socks. And it's just such a simple thing, but you need, you would, you know, you'd need that in the zombie apocalypse because you're probably wearing the same socks for months at a time and they're nasty and full of holes and they've been soaked and your feet are, you know, all starting to mold up, but. Take care of your feet. Take, oh, very important. You
1: know, if you're, uh, yeah, if you're on a long journey like that, the uh, primary, primary, take care of your feet But it, without your feet, you're not going anywhere. No,
0: but it comes, it came across to me as like, this guy is just a little bit simple. <laughs> but it's not that he's dumb. It's that he just understands the simple things. And I think that's great. I think it's super endearing. And I, I love the character. So I do hope he sticks around for a while. Me too. All right. Let's take a really short break, Jason. When we come back, we're going to talk about season four, episode two of Fear the Walking Dead. Stay with us. What's your story? What's going on in your mind? And what's the trouble that you're leaving this time? What's your story? What did you learn to do? And what did you say when they were picking on you? I got worried, but you know they're all mine. On your way to find your goal With a purpose to unfold And the people all around you seem so strange Cause everything you know's about to change Okay, welcome back to the program, everybody. We are now going to talk about Season 4, Episode 2 of Fear the Walking Dead, and I got a title read for this one.
2: Another day in the diamond.
0: Thank you, Tara in North Carolina, for that. Indeed, this episode was called Another Day in the Diamond, and uh, completely different from the first episode of the season, because it mostly has nothing to do with Morgan until the very end. So we kind of get the the flip side of what happened in the first one where we see Madison and Strand and Nick and Alicia and everybody and what they've been doing until the last minute when we go back to that scene where they ambush Morgan Al and John on the road.
1: Yep. So it was uh
0: it was quite the quite the departure from the first one, yes. From the first one, yeah. I got to say, I think this episode was also really good. So Fear is two for two so far in season four. Uh, there are plenty of things to talk about in this episode. The first one may be what's going on with Charlie, the little girl, and what her deception of our main characters leads to, and that is the introduction of a, I guess, a group of villains, you have to call them, known as the Vultures.
1: Yeah, well, okay, so a couple things here. All right. (laughs) Uh, One, uh, what was her name, Charlie, you said her name Charlie. Charlie, she was talking to Nick and uh, they were talking about someone who died at 27, right? Do you know who they were talking about? Because I don't. Do you know who, do you, you, there's a long list of uh, singer-songwriters uh, performers that have died at the age of twenty-seven: Brian but, Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison. Right, uh, all dead at twenty-seven. So, well, were uh, they, they listening talking about anybody?
0: Were they listening to a song at that moment? I,
1: I don't think so. I think they were just okay. talking about. She's like, oh, and he died at twenty-seven, or oh, they died at twenty-seven, and then uh, Nick asked, well, was that what Traveler's Blues was about? But I couldn't find Traveler's Blues, oh. so they could have been talking about Jim Morrison because he was kind of a bluesy. Uh, you know, the Doors weren't bluesy, but he was kind of bluesy. Uh, could have been Janis Joplin. Well, you're Hasn't, right. There's a lot of them that, that died at the that. The 27 Club has like a lot of members.
0: Yeah. You know, that's a good point. I didn't really think about that, but I do know the scene you're talking about. Um.
1: Anyway, if anybody knows who, who they were talking about, let me know. Okay. Very good. <laughs> cause I think it was vague and it might've been vague on purpose, but it was interesting cause I know that, uh, you know, all these people died at 27. Right. So that's what, uh, rock and roll and hard drinking and hard drugs will do to you.
0: Well, good thing you, neither you and I were rock stars at 27.
1: Yeah. Thank God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, later in life, sure, but not 27. Right. Well, anyways, Charlie is there. It turns out she's basically there as a spy and she's feeding information back to her group.
1: But. Right. So I had the Enid the Spy thing, right? Just the wrong character on the wrong show. That's That's right.
0: And, and, you know, I'm, I thought of that too, to be honest with you, (laughs) you know, younger character, female, comes in to live with the group, turns out as a spy, you were, you were right on, just wrong show, wrong character.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Doing it right on the wrong side of town. (laughs) That's right.
0: But, you know, before we get into that, they went, I think, to great extent in this episode to give us kind of an idea of what general life in the diamond is is ha, has been like or is like right now. Um some of the things we learn is that they are living in this baseball stadium. They've got 47 people there. They have crops growing, they've got livestock, they've got, you know, general security with a big gate and stuff like that. And life is comfortable enough there that they even have time to go out and look for Charlie's family. So Charlie's a fairly new resident. And Madison and a team go out to look for the rest of her group or her family who um, are maybe dead, but they don't know that. But the point is, I think they've got sort of the day-to-day locked down enough at this place that they can go out and do these sorts of thing- things. and Yeah,
1: I mean, they even have time and they feel comfortable enough to use the very loud public address system to welcome everybody to a new day right when in fact that's just like uh i'd like to uh welcome everybody to the new day it's been three hundred and sixty five days since we uh you know entered this stadium and I want to welcome any zombie hordes that might be in the neighborhood to come on by <laughs> and partake in the lovely uh soft uh, yet crunchy uh forty eight people that we have here uh-huh. uh, and we have turnips.
0: Yeah, what is it with turnips, eh? There's turnips <laughs> growing on both shows. <laughs> yeah. And well, I guess they have too many on at the hilltop, but here they're infested with weevils.
1: Weevils, they're they're the worst. They are the What's worst. What's a weevil? Is that a is that like a bug?
0: It's an insect, yeah, that uh I don't know much about it, but it's an insect that contaminates your vegetables, I guess.
1: Or is that where the phrase weevil wobbles wobble but they don't fall down?
0: I don't know. Or is that
1: weevils? Is that different than weevils? What's a Weeble? I "I have no idea what you're talking about anymore. Um,
0: (laughs) Your brain has gone rogue, mister. Shut up. Yeah. But my point is, I think they showed us a lot here of just to give us a good idea of what life is like and to set the stage for things, right? It's been a year since they've been living here. and. You know, who knows what happened with the dam? We do get into it a little bit, but last we saw these characters, most of them blew up on a dam and, um, we had no idea what their status was, but here they all are living in this baseball diamond and they seem to have things under control. So I appreciated that. I thought it was good stage setting for what's at least the current state of affairs with our group.
1: Yeah. And, you know, thinking about it, moving into a a baseball stadium is probably a good idea because you probably have more hot dogs than you know what to do with at a baseball stadium.
0: Sure. And if, even if you don't, you've got kitchen facilities, you've got all kinds of bathroom facilities. Toilets. So many toilets.
1: So many toilets. (laughs) Uh, You've got... But take turns, right? You don't want to, you have to clean all the toilets all at once. So, you know, stick to a bathroom until it gets too gross and then just close the door and you move on to the next one. No, right? no. See?
0: What you do is you treat it like the Golden Gate Bridge, right? You start painting at one end and you paint and paint and paint. When you get to the other end, the the uh, the far end it just needs to be painted again. So you just move back there and start over. So what you have is you have a crew that's cleaning the bathrooms from one end to the other and everyone else is using the bathrooms like one room ahead of them. So that then at the end, they, they switch back to the beginning and that first Bathroom is clean, and then you just keep going through like that.
1: Do you think they have urinals in these bathrooms, or is this uh, an old enough stadium that they just have like this big long trough?
0: Well, I don't know. I have no idea. Urinals have been around a the while. They never show the bathrooms in this show.
1: <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> what I want to know is what the structure of the bathrooms look like. Like, well, look at the uh, the scavenger uh, junkyard. Where do they go to the bathroom there? Well,
0: because you, like, you don't like, what's generally the plan? you don't generally have you know uh, plumbing facilities set up like that in a in a junkyard. So, Do you think
1: they got porta potties? They might. Maybe they found that seems some like a junkyard thing.
0: Yeah, maybe they found some junk and they just set them up somewhere.
1: There's probably like a whole pile of toilets. <laughs> <laughs> there probably
0: are <laughs> connected to nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um so, um let's What are we talking about here? So, I was just saying how they did a good job of giving us an idea of what life is like here and it seems like it's pretty good. So, yeah. I appreciated that. The other things stay
3: they
1: up, stay off the of PA. That's the other
0: side. Uh Stay off the PA, yeah. The other things they introduced here is, you know, a love interest for Strand. It came up a couple of times in this episode. Madison, when they're driving out, she suggests that he have a drink with Cole. Cole was the guy who brought them uh, snacks or packed them some snacks for the road trip. And then later in the episode, right before the, the um, vultures show up, Lucy is sort of joking with, joking about him at Cole and Strand getting together.
1: Which is kind of weird because Strand's real name is Coleman. And that must be confusing and a little unsettling for him.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Coleman Domingo. Uh, anyways, that's weird. <laughs> but
1: so well, they, Alicia's real name is Alicia. So that's weird too.
0: It's true. They're one letter different. That's funny. Yeah. Well, <laughs> So they set that up, which I was, which I thought was kind of neat. That'll probably be a thing going on uh, as the season goes on. And I, I also think they went out of their way to tell us that this group, Madison's group of, uh, and her family are really, really willing to help and welcome people, right? Obviously, Charlie is new and they've taken her in now. Charlie's a young girl, like. Why wouldn't you take her in? It would be weird if you turned her away. But on the other show, maybe not in the, other in the other
1: show they would have shot her like fifty yards away. Yeah, probably. Oh my
0: God, a little girl kill her. But here, when they when they're out and they're at those big tanks of whatever, and they meet Naomi, you know, the first thing Alicia does is say, you know, we're friendly. We're not going to hurt you. You can take our car if you want it. Like, you know, we're yeah. here. We're here to help. Like, they they were extremely friendly with her. And even later on, when they had Naomi back at the baseball field, Madison, they had that conversation where she offers her a shower and, uh, just some comforts, you know? And, like, they're really trying to make, at least the way I saw it, they're really trying to make it feel like this group is open and welcoming and actually living a fairly comfortable life here.
1: Yeah. And, uh, uh, what's her name? You just said her name. Uh. Madison
0: Alicia Naomi.
1: Naomi. Yeah. She... Over were you talking about the, her dumb mistake to run up on the top of that tank? Like, what an idiot. Like, where do you think you're going to go? Well, yeah, like, she has the, nowhere the to go. The top of that tank, you know, it it's like 40 feet up, and there's nowhere to go when you go on top of those tanks, except for either off the edge, or in this case, down in the hole. And she went down in the
0: hole, which led to this episode's like big action set piece. So both of these episodes had their they big action moments. What did you think about this fight where we had Madison and Naomi fall into the tank, have to fight off a whole bunch of zombies, and then, um, well, just the folks outside had to rescue them by opening the valve and letting everything flow out. But did you think it was a entertaining, exciting, scary battle?
1: I think it was, but it was also an exercise in uh, yelling at the TV or yelling at the screen for people not to do stupid things. Uh, so first of all, Jenna Elfman ran up the, uh, what's her name? Naomi, which I, again, I was like, I know you from somewhere. I know you. Holy fuck. It's Dharma. It is. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so she ran up the top of the steps, uh, up the, uh, up on top of the fucking tank, which was a known hole. Like this is, uh, this is a zombie trap. Right, this was a zombie trap that was designed because there were speakers up there, mm-hmm. so they were designed to lure zombies up these stairs and dump them in a hole full of oil. Uh, so we have we have oil zombies. It's mm-hmm. a new type of zombie. We haven't seen oil zombies before. Uh, so she, it was just a, a dumb thing. So me yelling at the screen, then she falls down forty feet into the uh, what uh, ankle deep, knee deep uh, oil. Uh, she would have broken stuff,
0: yeah, like, oil is pretty viscous, maybe it would break your fall,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's but also <laughs> falling onto water from that height is like falling onto concrete, yeah, I know, so it's not very uh oil doesn't compress very well like like uh water it doesn't compress it's not like sponges it's uh it's very non compressed yep, uh, so you you like the t v for that, and then uh strand is hammering on the uh on the, the latches for that hatch that they were trying to open. Because it was rusted, and yeah. Because it was rusted and stupid Alicia standing in front of the hatch. What did she expect was going to happen if that hatch gets unlatched? Yeah, know It's going to blow open and all the pressure that's in there, it's, this thing is meant to hold a hell of a lot of pressure. Right. So you're about to release at least some of that pressure. Get out of the way of the hatch, you moron. Oh, yeah. So... And then uh, it topped it all off with uh, fake Madison zombie fakeout, I like to call it. She's hunched over. They go, you know, Alicia's going in, Madison's in there and going, there's zombie noises. And we're like, oh my God, did she get bit? Did she get bit? Did she get, oh no, she didn't get bit. Of course she didn't get bit. Of course not. So I was a little annoyed by the fake Madison zombie fakeout.
0: Overall though, the whole thing I really enjoyed. I thought it was fun to watch. I thought them fighting in the goopy oil mess was, it was so gross. Was super gross, but like, come on, it was it was entertaining. Uh, you've seen Waterworld, right? Yeah, a long time ago.
1: You should watch it again. It's quite fascinating. Isn't it terrible? Um,
0: I thought people hated that movie.
1: Well, it's the most expensive movie ever made at the time because right. they made the whole set and then the whole set sank. And then they made the whole set again. <laughs> Great job, guys.
3: <laughs> Great job.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, okay. Yes, it is a bad movie, but it has one scene. Uh, so the bad guys are in the uh, the tanker, right? The oil tanker. And they use the oil that's in the tanker to fuel their... Uh, uh, they're rocket boats. What do you call those things? Uh, sea rocket boats, <laughs> <laughs> rocket boats. And there's a guy in the oil tanker, in the oil that just is on a boat and he's paddling around. He's, his job is to measure how much oil is left. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, at the end when the, I remember the whole boat blows up, the, the oil comes down, uh, <laughs> and starts catching on fire. You just, they show the guy in the boat and he says, Oh, thank God.
0: Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> That's so, actually the one thing I remember from that movie because it was such a such a memorable scene, actually.
1: Yeah, so this whole thing reminded me of that. All right. I mean, not really, but sort of. Okay. <laughs> Except there were more Most zombies in this. Oil, yeah. people in oil, you know. Right. Noth- none of that oil caught on fire, though. I'm a little surprised.
0: Well, we're lucky there. Anyways, I liked it. I thought it was entertaining at the very least. Fun way to introduce this new character. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of okay with it, but, uh, uh, can we go back to Charlie for a minute? We sure can. All right. So Charlie, I a hundred percent believed her, had no idea she was a spy, which I think, I don't know if there was anything really there to indicate that she was. So I'm not saying that like, I feel stupid about it, but, uh, I, what struck me about it is how good Kim Dickens is with kids and being sort of a mother figure figure, right? This show's been about her protecting her family for a long time and I really really believed Madison really cared about this kid and that comes across I don't know just because Kim Dickens seems to be really good with kids or playing that kind of of uh of character. So I totally believed it and I was kind of disappointed when it turned out Charlie was not on the level.
1: Oh, she'll come back around. Don't worry. You think so? She's a kid. Yeah. She's, I mean, the, uh, uh, what are they called? The vultures? Yes. Uh, so the vultures are going to, you know, they're the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, they're going to go away, but they're not going to kill a kid. Right. So Charlie's going to be brought back into the fold. It's going to be a complex resolution, but it's going to be a resolution and Madison and, uh, and Charlie will, uh, eventually get along as a mother daughter duo once again by the end of the season.
0: Okay. Well, I hope that's true because I liked, I liked the way they worked together and, Within the story, I also was glad that there was no infighting about trusting her. We didn't see the characters be like, oh, how dare you bring a new person in? Or can we really trust her? You know, there was none of yeah. that. It was just they brought her in it and it, it felt like everyone agreed that was the right thing to do. And again, I appreciated that.
1: Did you think that Charlie was a hallucination? <laughs> No, I did not Really? Because, okay (laughs) We see uh, Charlie and Madison talking at the beginning of this episode, right? They're up on the railing They're having a conversation about fish patties Yes And then we get this shot of Madison uh, on the railing And the camera is slowly panning Slowly panning And there's no Charlie There's no Charlie There's no Charlie The conversation is going on There's no Charlie There's no Charlie All of a sudden, Charlie's in the shot again I'm like, oh, shit That during that whole pan, I was like, "Oh my God, is she hallucinating? This little girl is she talking to her (laughs) younger self? Like, what's going on here?" And then turns out, real person.
0: Well, aren't you glad about that, real person? Yes, I am am
1: glad about that. But I wonder, like, this show's shown you uh, fake people before, right? Uh Morgan, Lori, plenty of times, a bunch of fake people. So uh, maybe I just see fake people everywhere. (laughs) Maybe it's you,
0: man. You're the one who's hallucinating everything.
1: I'm not. All these people are real. Maybe you're friend.
0: hallucinating me right now. Probably. That's a possibility. <laughs> I couldn't make you up if I tried. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about the vultures then. So here's an interesting group. They're called the vultures because what they do is they drive up, they hang around, wait for you to die, and then swoop in and take all your stuff, just yeah, like party. vultures. Yeah, it's like a tailgate. They have a tailgate party outside the the stadium. Well, yeah. When shit goes wrong, they move in and take your
1: stuff. <laughs> so what was the uh, what's the the head vulture guy's name? Uh Mel, I think. Mel? Yeah. Okay. So what was his deal with Madison? It was like, gimme your stuff uh or I'll just wait until you die and take your stuff. Basically that's it. But but what was the what was the upside to giving him all their stuff? Well,
0: well, for Madison, I don't think there is one. It's just like, he's like, you're going to die anyways. This is all going to go bad. So we're just going to hang out and then take what we want when it becomes available. We're not going to attack you. We're not going to fight you. We're vultures. We don't why? kill things. We just pick at the dead.
1: But why the tailgate party then? If they know they're there, then just wait. Why show up and sit in their parking lot and wait for them because he obviously wanted to uh, incite a confrontation in order to give whoever their leader is the ultimatum of give me your stuff or I'll just take my stuff, uh, take your stuff when you die. Mm-hmm. But I just... May... What was he offering in exchange for getting their stuff? I don't
0: know. Maybe it's just an intimidation thing. Like maybe it's just they're going to sit there. It's always on the back of Madison's mind, you know, they can't come and go quite as freely. Maybe I, I don't think he was really offering them anything. I think he was just, uh, sort of the, making his presence known and was like, you know, maybe you'll, maybe things will go bad and you'll die quicker if we're out here hanging around.
1: Right. So it's a psych out. It's sort of a psych out. Yeah. I don't I know. Just, though. I, I'm having a hard time seeing the upside for the vultures to make their presence known. Like the only way I can see the upside is make your presence known so you can deliver the ultimatum because sometimes the ultimatum works. Right. But without an incentive for getting their stuff, like offering something in exchange for it, even you know their lives or advice or uh, something, there's uh, nobody will ever take the deal. So why? Sit there because there's only downside because that with your presence known gives these people a chance to counter you. Yeah, that's if true. They don't know you're there, they can't counter you. So I don't see the upside. Yeah,
0: you're you're absolutely right. I'm
1: not I'm not sure I do
0: either. I think maybe we don't have the the entire story yet. Though he did say that he's had this conversation with people a hundred times. So they've been doing this for a while. Uh, he's
1: maximizing. That's there's no way it's a hundred times. I'm he's sure. Probably, I'm sure he's five, exaggerating a little bit. Times. Yeah.
0: Um, but when they had that conversation, when Madison walked out there to talk to him, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here, but did you not, did did it not go through your mind that this guy sounds a lot like Negan (laughs) in the, in what he was offering? Because, you know, he starts off with saying things like you're good people. He says, either give us your stuff and live. You can join us. You can become one of us or we wait for you to die. And that sounds like Negan going, you know, I save people. People are a resource. Give us half your shit. You can become one of us. Everything will be fine then, right? And yeah. I couldn't help but think, all right, so these vultures are doing the same thing in a slightly different way. But even the way he's presenting the idea kind of sounds similar. And my first reaction was like, I, this again? But I don't know. The more I think about it, I at least think they have a really cool name, the vultures. And it's going to be weird and different to just see them hanging out out there the whole time.
1: We're so getting mad, Max. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, well. I'm just, I'm putting it all together. Okay. So to address your question, yes, uh, it did remind me a little bit of Negan, not so much as you, but now that you bring it up that way, it definitely rings true that it's Negan. Yeah. Uh, But while you were talking as I am want to do, I was thinking about other things. I'm thinking about, uh, <laughs> you know, a, uh, an encampment that is, um, fenced off and encircled by another group. And then we have, uh, an, an external group of people with, uh, vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking we're going to get, uh, uh, the second Mad Max movie, uh, I'm trying oh. to remember the name of it. Road Warrior. Road Warrior. Yeah. So this is this is all being, and we have oil, uh-huh. which is what was you know part of the the Mad Max trilogy. Uh-huh. Uh So I think we're I think we're going to get a Mad Max thing here, and when uh, uh, in the in the previous episode, when Naomi Naomi no, Yep. Um, Al, Naomi Al Aletha uh, Alicia Althea. Althea. Yes. <laughs> Althea through the keys. So, so when the guy was getting into the cab of the truck and uh, was trying to start it, yep. I was just thinking no respecting uh, road warrior, Mad Max type uh, person would uh, just have an on button. There would be some kind of thing you'd have to do in order to start the vehicle. And if you didn't <laughs> know the exact sequence of all these wires and shit, <laughs> right. you'd never get it started. <laughs> Right, But it turns out it just happens to be the keys. Like, nah, I have the keys, and through the keys, and they run. It's just like, well, I think my son would do exactly the same thing if I rattled keys at him and through them. He right. would chase after them, I think. Of course. <laughs> I've never tried it because every time I go to hand my keys to my son— my wife looks at me and says, you just gave him a knife because I have a knife on my keychains. <laughs> She's oh. like, you just gave our son a knife. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to take those keys back. Stop then, doing <laughs> that. Give him other keys. <laughs> stop, stop giving, he's a year and a half old. Stop giving him knives. Right. <laughs> um, so I think this is, this seems to all be putting together uh, some kind of Mad Max movie. Well, that can't be a bad thing. Uh, it can. I mean, Beyond Thundertome wasn't the best movie. All
0: right. Well, Fear the Walking Dead colon Mad Max, that's going to be season five, maybe.
1: Uh, Could be. Anyway, (laughs) I just, I think it's uh, a very interesting uh, Mad Max type setup we have going on here.
0: So the Vultures have been putting up these flags too, or white sheets with numbers written on them. When they show up in the parking lot of the baseball stadium, they round up the zombies into the back of a truck and then they put a flag up with 12 on it. Yeah. We, We see... Um, At the oil tanks, there's a sign, a flag up with 457 on it. And then the one that Morgan has, which they picked up in the first episode, has 51 on it. So is this just like the number of of walkers that have been trapped in the area?
1: Yeah, that's exactly, that's what I assumed was that's how many zombies are in the back of that truck. I thought that they were collecting them when they first showed up. It did seem like it, yeah. They were just, uh, they were hurting the zombies into the back of a truck, and they were collecting them. They were using uh, classical music to do that, mm-hmm. and I absolutely call bullshit on that, and you're going to have to play the, the Simon bullshit thing. shit! Yeah, they would absolutely be using ACDC's Back in Black for that kind of shit. There's no way that they would use non-copyrighted uh, music uh, in the zombie apocalypse to uh, to round up zombies. I don't know. They would be using whatever copyrighted, awesome Me- ACDCs tune they could get their hand
0: on. Mel seems like a rather intellectual, sophisticated guy. Maybe he's really into the classical music.
1: That, you know, sophisticated guy does not preclude ACDC. That's
0: true. It's very, very true. Good point. It does, uh,
1: <laughs> it does preclude other, other music, uh, but uh, I... I can't name the band I'm thinking of because uh once again Canadians would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know exactly who you're talking about, which is the best part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny.
0: All right. Well I think the vultures are are an intriguing group and I'm I'm looking forward to finding out more about them. And I am sure we are going to because This episode set up two timeframes, Jason. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but it started with the word before, and then before the final scene of the episode, we got after. So the before comes at day 365 of them living in the the baseball stadium, and after comes sometime after that, which is post-confrontation with the vultures. And as we were saying before, the, you know, our group of Alicia and Strand and everybody on the road there seemed like they were in kind of rough shape and they were accusing, we find out at the end of this episode, they were accusing Morgan and Al and John of being vultures, I think, and having a great deal of hostility towards them, which is different, it seems like, than the way they'd been behaving when they met Naomi, right? They were very friendly and welcoming to her. So something has happened to get them to this point that is not very pleasant. So my question is: since we have these two time frames, which seem to be you know a, a fair amount of time apart, are we going to go through the entire season, or maybe the half the season, jumping between these two time frames before the vultures showed up? and after the vultures show up? Uh,
1: I think, okay, so I've got three things. (laughs) One is, I'm going to address your question. Uh, No, I don't think it's going to be the whole season, but I do think it's going to be the next couple of episodes. Okay. Uh, So the second thing is they thought these people were vultures because they were driving around in the vehicle, and that's what vultures do drive around in vehicles, and uh, have flags. Well,
0: <laughs> wait a minute. Vultures don't kill things themselves. They circle around, wait for something to die, and then they pick on the corpse.
1: They don't yeah, <laughs> but they do that by driving around in vehicles, and these people were driving around in a vehicle. It right. looked like it could have been a camper or some kind of larger vehicle. It didn't look as ragtag as the other shit, but uh, sure. I guess it could be uh, uh, the vultures. And they found a flag in the back, so... Uh, The second thing is, the second of four things now, uh, hopefully I can remember what the fourth thing is, fourth thing is, um, no Madison.
0: That's a really interesting point.
1: So, uh, and the first thing they said, uh, Alicia said when, uh, okay, if the flag isn't yours, where did you find it? Mm -hmm. So the vultures have Madison, they're trying to find her.
0: Oh, interesting. They have her. I I thought maybe Madison is is dead at this point, and she dies at some point in the interim, but you're right. They probably have her prisoner, and they're looking for her. If they were were concerned of where they found the flag, not sort of why they have the flag, then you're right. They're looking for a location. Interesting.
1: So that's that's what's going to happen. There was something else that I wanted to talk about. I don't know. <laughs> you started with asking, okay, before and after two timelines, two timelines. And no, never mind. Lost uh,
0: anyways, it anyways, doesn't matter. Um, it, it it is interesting that Madison wasn't there, and I was thinking, yeah, they've they're sort of tipping us off that Madison is is dead. But I think actually you're probably right. It's more likely that she's her location, is unknown or she's captured or something like that. So Alicia Strand and Nick and everybody are trying to locate her. Um, and this was them baiting some what they thought were vultures into a trap to get information or the upper hand somehow. Um, turns out they've just met three pretty kick-ass characters who hopefully can help them out.
1: Yeah, who, uh, okay, so, (laughs) uh, God damn it, I forget her name already. This is going to be hard. Na- uh, not name, Althea. Althea. So, Althea seemed like she was on the ball uh, when she showed up to save uh, Morgan and uh, John Dory which I have a question about the fish reference he made earlier, but uh, when it showed up to save John Dory, she did not get out of the car, out of the vehicle, right? She laid down her flap and had her hand on the friggin' uh, the gun turret thing. Yep. And then when she runs into some random person in the middle of the road, first thing she does is gets out of the vehicle and (laughs) Morgan says, I don't kill anybody, which is the definitive uh, decision that he's made. uh, (laughs) Not to ever kill anybody. (laughs) John Dory says, neither do I. Well, I try not At to. least I try not to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, which is fun. Uh, so, and then they all get out of the vehicle. Uh-huh. Like a bunch of dumbasses. Don't get out of the vehicle. So, anyway, they uh, had all kinds of problems with tactics in this. It just, uh, it struck me as Alcia doesn't get out of her vehicle unless she absolutely has to. So, when in danger, stay in the fucking car. Yeah, no. Never that. get out of the boat, man. Never get out of the boat. That's a reference to apocalypse now.
0: Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Um well anyways i I just think that Alicia and those that group is going to be counting their blessings when they realize they realize they've now just made friends with Morgan Althea and John Dory, a gunslinger a a yeah. badass chick with a giant military truck and and Morgan, <laughs> you know,
1: yeah, I don't know about the badass chick with the truck I mean,
0: I think she's pretty cool and badass
1: ah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I made it... Okay, so we're going to go back to Shadowrun. I've talked about Shadowrun in the past. It's a role-playing game that's still out there uh-huh. uh, that I used to play back in the early 90s. And uh, when you made a character, you could do things like um, spend or you know put so many attributes into magic or so many attributes into skills, or like you could pick what your primary thing was. Was your primary thing stats? Is your primary thing magic? Is your primary thing uh, skills? Or is your primary thing money? And if you put your primary thing as money, you got a million new yen or dollars. Okay. You could spend that million dollars on whatever you wanted. I made a character once that uh, put the primary thing into money, and I spent a million dollars on uh, an assault vehicle. Like it was exactly a one million dollar price tag. That was it. So my entire character was that vehicle, and I thought it was the coolest fucking guy that I had ever made because <laughs> he had this assault <laughs> truck. It right. had a turret on top with a friggin' a, you know a mounted thing and these big awesome wheels. It was basically. This thing that that Althea has. Right. So that's her you're saying.
0: She's got an amazing vehicle, but nothing else going for her.
1: Exactly. This guy was a moronic shithead with no (laughs) skills, no nothing. Uh, The GM let me build that character. And then in the very first game, uh, it got confiscated by the cops. Because who the fuck allows you to drive around in an assault vehicle in uh, downtown Seattle in 2050? Fair enough. <laughs> so now what, dude? It's like, well, why, why would, why didn't you just tell me not to do this, shithead? Like, <laughs> let me do it and then take it away, so I have a crappy character. Yeah. Anyway, so she has a kick-ass vehicle. She seems pretty kick-ass, but I'm, you know, she's a journalist and she still wants to be a journalist. Uh, I question her mentality.
0: <laughs> I thought the revelation of journalist was actually really interesting, and you know, maybe it was just there to give us a framework to get the characters talking a little bit and explaining their stories, but I didn't care. I thought it was a neat idea, and I just— I, I, I Story-wise,
1: I think it's great. It Character-wise, w- why would somebody continue to do that? It's like, oh, it was, no, I'm a chef. I'm going to go through the world and continue to cook for people because I just love cooking snails.
0: Well, because, I mean, you always end up with characters who want to— document things or or tell stories or you know record history and that's kind of what she's doing here it's what she knows how to do she obviously knows how to survive but her her whole thing is is documenting and telling stories and i i like it i think of all the things that you could continue doing in the zombie apocalypse that is one of the more believable Walk so around with a using, camera, or hell, walk around with a pencil and a paper and write see, shit that down. That
1: makes more sense to me than relying on this technological device that is going to fail. I know. I realize there is that. no choice. It's it's whether it's planned obsolescence or just plain old shoddy workmanship. Eventually, this friggin' camera is going to break down, or the battery is going to. Well, yeah. Uh, cycle out because you've used it too many times and you only get a 12 second charge now you're there's no way you're going to be able to read that videotape uh or if it is a videotape it could just be a friggin' card
2: yeah
0: no Uh, i i agree with you i mean the camera is kind of dumb pen and paper would have been would have been better but this is a visual medium it's tv show you know camera we can see the camera looking at morgan while he's talking you know i don't think the camera is going to stick around for very long we're not going to have this Constantly on the show, it's going to be this episode, maybe one more, and then we'll probably never talk about it again. But yeah. for now, well, I think it was kind of cool.
1: Well, we keep calling back to I keep calling back to Lost when talking about shows, <laughs> uh, as this show and other zombie-related television shows. Uh-huh. Uh The way they handled Hurley's Walkman in Lost, where yeah, play the music and listen to music, and then one time, one time it just died, just up and died. Yeah. And they didn't do that anymore. After that,
0: did right. you notice that? Well, that that's going to happen here. I think the camera's going to get broken, or it just it'll just go away. That's what I think. Yeah. All right. Anyways, let's 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 move on. Um, I really the only other thing I want to talk about in this episode is probably Nick, who has been living in the baseball diamond pretty comfortably. He's in charge of the turnips. You know, he's growing crops, but he clearly has some p t s d about over the damn explosion and that
1: damn explosion yeah, I
0: know uh because it doesn't sound like he's really left the comfort of of this baseball stadium for some time, and in this episode, we see him try to take a car out and he can barely drive a hundred feet out of the place with zombies around before he panics and crashes the car so um I thought this was, again, pretty interesting, a huge change or shift in Nick's character, a guy who that at one time was, it seemed like he was more comfortable amongst the dead than the living. Now, suddenly he can't even leave their, the safety of home without having a panic attack. So, um, I think, you know, we're definitely going to get more of this and I think this is how they're going to fill us in on what happened since the dam explosion by showing us maybe flashbacks or or just showing us the result of Nick kind of being affected by it.
1: I think this was interesting too. That uh, it is a huge shift in his character. It's somebody who just wandered around for a very long time out in the open, and now is afraid to leave the fence. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's right to be afraid. That's oh, yeah, friggin' crappy out there. Don't leave the fence. Why would you leave? Yeah, moron. Just stay happily inside the fence and uh deal with your weevil problem.
0: Yeah. I also think it's super believable though, too, because to me, this was a good reminder that Nick was the one who actually detonated the dam, right? He pressed the button to, to blow up the explosives. He basically in that moment sacrificed himself and chose to kill everybody who was on the dam. Obviously, he survived. Uh, but this, that would affect someone. And I think it's going to be really fascinating to see, hopefully, what his journey was from that moment to here, even if it's just in kind of traumatic flashbacks that are in his mind, right? I think that's fine. I think that can tell us the story of, of what went down, uh, because I was a little concerned that they were just going to gloss over all that. And here we are now and everything's fine and we're going to move forward, but I do think it; they need to fill us in on, on what happened,
1: at least So we have, uh, we have a time jump to, from before to after, and then within there we're going to have flashbacks. Exactly, exactly. Oh, so we're going right to
0: have then. three time frames for a while, and it's it's before the vultures, after the vultures, and
1: what happened to Nick since the dam exploded. I don't think they have to do that. I, I don't think, think we need the flashbacks. I think that maybe they'll just talk in one or two lines— Uh, you know, remember that time we, uh, (laughs) you know, we had to con those people out of their casino money and then it'll be like, whoa, I wonder what that story's all about.
0: And there was a big water war and then I blew up a dam and everyone survived. No, they need to
1: give us something there. And I think
0: this might be a good way to do it.
1: Right. I I, I think they could just give us a couple of one-liners to tease us and we don't need to know. We're, we're, we're mature enough now that we can live without knowing how all the dots are connected.
0: Well, I don't know. This seems like a pretty good, big series of dots that need to be connected. So I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but, uh, at, at the very least, I'm glad that Nick is It seems to be a different person now because that shit would fuck you up. And if he just oh, yeah. came back and he was exactly the same, like it never happened, that wouldn't ring true to me.
1: Do you read, you don't read a lot of sci-fi. You read some sci-fi.
0: I read a little bit of sci-fi.
1: A little bit of sci-fi. One of my, I don't know if it's my favorite, but one of the things I like about reading some sci-fi is that when you start a new sci-fi novel, you have no idea what's going on. Like, you don't know even the basic premise of technology about uh, what's going on. And sometimes the author does not fill you in. Right. About what's, it's, it's up to you to figure this shit out as the story progresses. Yep. And feeds the information to you in drips and drabs. Doesn't say, well, the year is forty-seven twenty-eight 28, and... Uh, Uh, blah, 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 and telling you exactly what's going on and how technology works. It's just uh, one of the things, uh, I remember reading a book um, by Alistair Reynolds that was just this weird kind of thing, just like, okay, there's like, a light hugger. What the hell is a light hugger? It's a, <laughs> it's a ship that can go close to the speed of light. It sure. takes a long time to ramp up. And then there was these group of people that like to modify themselves in technological ways. And then there was these other people that like to modify themselves in genetic ways. And you had to figure out which, who was who. And uh, it was uh, the whole goddamn novel was a mind fuck. And uh, that's one of the things I liked about it is that uh, he didn't pander to the idiocy of his audience, even though most audiences are idiots, frankly. (laughs) I know Uh, I am. So our our audience is the best audience ever, (laughs) smartest. And this is what I'm saying, is that we are mature and, uh, you know, we're good enough and smart enough and awesome enough not to have to be spoon-fed all this information. I think they can just tease us with little bits of what happened in between without actually having to show us a bunch of flashbacks.
0: All right. Fair fair enough, but... I I hope they find a balance. I want to know a little bit, but they don't have to give us too much—just enough to, to be to acknowledge the fact that that happened and like something happened in between. All,
2: All
1: right. right. Well, I'll tell you what, Chris. If they don't do that, I'll fill you in. You make it up. I'll just for make. Me. I'll just make it up and I'll tell you what happened.
0: Perfect. I agree with that, and I uh, I think that'll. I look forward to that at the end of the season <laughs> if we have to go there.
1: <laughs> All right. Good.
0: Uh, okay. So, I mean, that's really it. I think for this episode. I really like this one as well too. I think fear is off to an amazing start for season four after season three was really good. So, uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of this show right now and I'm super excited. Like, I, I don't know what else to say other than that. It's just, it's a good start and I'm, I'm happy.
1: I like this episode too. The only other thing I wanted to call out was, uh, when, Madison was going out to talk, talk to the head of the vultures and they opened the gate Yeah, and everybody was standing with their guns drawn and backlit. It was quite the hero shot.
0: (laughs) It was, yeah. You'd think they'd have some people up on the wall or something like that looking over. Maybe they did, but they were all kind of just standing there.
1: (laughs) I love it when that happens, when you, when you leave a building, like you've got, you know, you, you, you go places with your family and every once in a while you leave with your family and friends and you walk out the door and you think, shit. I wish there was a photographer here because we look fucking awesome.
0: (laughs) Like every time I leave a building, I think that, yeah.
1: See, that happens to me too. So I guess luckily, you know, they opened up that gate and we were able to see the splendor of how it was staged because they look fucking awesome.
0: I imagine myself walking out of buildings
1: in slow motion all the time. Sometimes I do it for real, slow motion. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) (laughs) With uh, some kind of Tarantino music playing in the background.
0: Some kind of Tarantino music. All right. Let's uh, hear what some of the listeners thought. Jason and I have a little bit of listener feedback here.
1: Cool. Listener feedback.
0: All righty. I got a few calls to start things off. The first one comes from our friend, Designer Will.
3: Hey, Chris and Jason. Designer Will from Brooklyn with some feedback for the season four premiere of Fear. And I got to say, I love this episode. Uh, obviously, they're setting up a ton of of good stuff to pay off down the road. But I really have to give it to the writers. Um, I think they're doing a fantastic job. There's a lot of fun little uh, attention to detail areas that I I liked. One scene in particular where um, our team of protagonists are in a truck driving down the road and there are a bunch of handprints on the windows from all the walkers. I I just love that. And then also like when um, Madison has a gun to her head from the new character – but she's clever about using the walkie talkie to send little uh message to Strand and the rest of them to come rescue her and I actually do like how the writers are playing with time with flash forwards and flashbacks. I think there's some fun stuff to be done there, and um interested to see where this goes with the vultures, you know with team Nick hunting them down essentially, maybe that is where Madison is or what she's up to, or maybe they're just uh, seeking some sort of revenge. Regardless, I'm excited to see where it goes. Hopefully, you guys are too. See ya.
0: You bet. Thanks, Will. I'm excited. And attention to detail, Jason. Yep. Important.
3: Uh, Will's right that uh, the triple
1: click she did on the uh, on the two way radio was uh, was excellent. When you uh, click the button, click, click, click.
0: Yeah, that's the signal for I'm in trouble.
1: Yep. One click for, uh, you know, how you doing? Two clicks for yes, and three clicks for. Shit, you better find me because I'm in trouble.
0: Yeah, exactly. There was one other moment um, in the first episode that I forgot to mention that I thought was good. It's when they're all driving away in Althea's truck and um, they all, they talk for a second about what they call the zombies. Right. And she says the dead and John says, I call them the past and mo- and what, and, and uh, Morgan says where I'm from, we call them walkers. I, I thought that was just a fun little scene. They're acknowledging the fact that, you know, everybody has different names for these things and none of yeah. them are zombie.
1: <laughs> so that could be fun, uh, when you meet up with new people to learn what they call them.
0: That's right. That's, that should be one of Rick's questions. Not how many walkers are you killed? It should be, what do you call the corpses walking around?
1: What do you, what do you call these things?
0: Right. Chum.
2: We call them chum. <laughs> See? That's a good name. <laughs>
0: Why not? Uh, All right, thanks, Will. Next call comes from Siobhan.
2: I'm uh, Siobhan, and I'm in the Rosendale Valley in Lancashire in England. And holy crap, did you see that crossover episode? That was the best fear rep in the world ever. (coughs) Excuse me. And it was, uh, well, I think it was up there with one of the best of The Walking Dead episodes as well. And how brilliant is John Dory, like the fish? Uh, For me... It looked more like a pilot for a new show and I'd been more than happy to watch those three roaming about in the post-apocalyptic states, solving crimes and killing zombies. In fact, I was a little bit disappointed when the regular Fear characters turned up. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season and hoping that this episode is a taste of things to come and not just a one-off. So keep up the great work, guys. I look forward to hearing your chat every week. Have done for eight years. Tragic, I know. You, in fact, are my second favorite Canadians next to Eleonora and Dave from Kitchener. So uh, take it easy, guys. <laughs> Bye. All
0: right. Thank you, Siobhan. And I guess hello to Eleanor and Dave in Kitchener or Eleonora
1: and Dave. What? You don't know them? All Canadians know each other, I thought. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Eleonora
0: and Dave. I'm going to pop over to Vancouver for the afternoon tomorrow and come back. How about that?
1: Yeah, we take the subway.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> um... What was Siobhan talking about? Oh, how this was, this was great and she could watch these three characters in their own show. I kind of agree. I think the Morgan, John Dory, and Althea show would be great.
1: Yeah. Just spin them off. I think that'd be fine.
0: It'd be very, very cool. So I would, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, the fish reference, you mentioned it before. Did you have a question about that?
1: Yeah, what the hell? Um, I didn't know John Dory was a fish, and I just looked it up. She reminded me that uh, I should look up what a John no. Dory is, and it turns out John Dory's a fish.
0: John Dory is not a fish. He was referring to Finding Dory, or Dory from the Finding no, Nemo Dory movie. John Dory
1: is a fish. It refers to a a, a fish. It's called a John Dory. The really? St. Pierre or Peter's fish. I swear to God.
0: That's funny, because I assumed it was a uh, Finding Nemo reference, because the fish is named Dory in that.
1: That Yeah, no, that, that's I think that's why... The fish is named Dory in that. So it's, it's a- D-O- John, D-O-R-Y, he said like the fish, but only with an I-E and not a Y. Interesting. So it's John Dory with a Y. I looked it up. It's a goddamn fish.
0: So it's a reference even before the Pixar movie. Yeah. Genius Zeus. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. You learn something every day. Thanks. I just
1: learned that uh, fish have names like John Dory.
0: That's right. Ugly, Thanks. Son of a bitch. Thanks, Siobhan. Let's get a call here from Jamie.
2: Hi, it's uh, Jamie from Southern England, just watching the first episode of uh, the new series of Fear the Walking Dead, and uh, just after Morgan has his chat with Rick, he's back in his bag ready to get on the road, and the same bit of music plays during all of the post-credit scenes of Morgan in Season 5, it was a great little callback to those scenes, because I thought they were really enjoyable at the time, and it just sprang out to me straight away as soon as I heard it. Thank you, cheers.
0: Well, thank you, Jamie. So, yeah, just a cool little uh, musical cue there. Morgan has his own um, theme song or theme bit.
2: <laughs> Same, yeah,
1: like Peter and the Wolf.
0: There you go. Uh, let's get to an email. Nancy on the internet writes, I enjoyed this episode. The vultures seem to be taking ideas from different groups we have seen in The Walking Dead to wreak havoc. The music and truck full of walkers from the wolves, the we want what you have, idea from the saviors it seems that they are a join us or die kind of people and i'm reminded of the governor when he asked michonne to join them jason can finally point to a traitor her name is charlie not enid did she poison the crops oh shit <laughs> that's right oh
1: did, she brought all the weevils
0: did she sabotage those crops with weev- weevils i don't know i
1: hadn't considered that
0: yeah um She's
1: more than a spy
0: She's a saboteur. (laughs) That's right. It's a good word. I like that word. Um, But yeah, so I, I sort of picked up on the Negan Savior's connection with the Vultures, but Nancy seems to think they have influence from all of our Walking Dead villains so far. And it may be true. May be true. All right. Steve on the internet writes, holy crap. I love how they rebooted the look of the show. But then again, it feels like they have rebooted the look and feel of every season. I'm kind of glad it's back and it feels like it can go anywhere and do anything. Not being bound by a comic book is actually kind of cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's what I think I mean by, um, it doesn't suffer from my expectations. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Even though I don't read the comic book anymore, uh, for some reason I just, it seems freer watching this because I think that anything could happen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I it's it's my own perception. I, I recognize that. It's my own problem. But uh yeah, not being bound by the comic book is rather rather interesting.
0: I I wouldn't call it a problem. I think it is I think it's an interesting thing too. And and I can feel it as well. You know, I feel like on the Walking Dead Main show, in the back of my mind I kind of always sort of know where it's going, right? And in this show, no idea. And I, I like that feeling.
1: Yeah. Especially- they could blow up a dam, they could move into a Freaking baseball park <laughs> they could do any of these things
0: but i you know and I, i'm it's just there's the unknown is a little exciting here and and i'm really happy that it's so far two episodes in so good and i'm really really excited to see where it goes so
1: too.
0: very cool graham on the internet writes Holy crap, I like that they jumped so far ahead, but it kind of feels like there's a ton we don't know. I guess it remains to be seen if what we don't know is even important or if it was just important to jump ahead and start fresh.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it's important. I think that uh, every life deserves uh, at least a year where you can just gloss over uh, you know, what happened. <laughs> and start <But> then, fresh. <laughs> and just start fresh. We just need We just need some time. You can just loss over it. It's like that, that whole, that year, that year and a half, that's not really important. That's just mundane bullshit. Mm-hmm. Story starts now.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's an interesting perspective on things, right? You just need, sometimes you need to just pretend that didn't happen and get on with things from this point.
1: Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Here we are.
0: Here we are. All right. Uh, Sean on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see all that build up to what was wrong with the turnips? It was weevils. I wonder if we should change the show to fear the walking weevils. All kidding aside, I did love Nick's comments about loving the idea of boredom once again. And that was a fun, that was a fun line. I got to admit, uh, where he says to Alicia, I think, do you want to just sit and stare at a wall later?
1: (laughs) Yeah. You want to, you want to stare at paint?
0: Stare at paint. paint. Yeah, exactly.
1: That was pretty good. Uh, Uh, so, uh, fear the walking weevils. Uh, can you imagine... Undead bugs? Oh, undead bugs. I. <laughs> how would you even know they're undead? Like, Yeah, that's the thing. you know, the more I think about it, the more I think, you know, it really wouldn't change. I mean, when you smack a bug, you're killing the brain. Mosquitoes right?
0: might be undead already for all I know.
1: Oh, man, I only shot it through the thorax. I missed the brain <laughs> altogether. That that's sucker's going to come after me later in my sleep and crawl into my nose and bite me.
0: Yeah, but how hard would it be to uh, avoid the... Avoid a bite from an undead mosquito. Like you know, you don't even see them coming. That'd be the worst. Mosquitoes are the worst. I hate them.
1: Dead or alive, I, they're better dead. But undead mosquitoes, yeah, that's a scary thing. Yeah, they need to oh, in- wait. They gotta. Oh, do mosquitoes eat the dead? Because if they eat the dead and then they eat the living, they're they're a way to pass disease from person to person, right? Yeah. Are they pass? Are they the reason that everybody's infected? I don't think so. But it's an interesting question,
0: I guess. Goddamn mosquitoes. Goddamn, they're, they're not- useless. They're... You know,
1: if all the mosquitoes on the planet Earth went away, it really wouldn't change anything uh, other than there would be no goddamn mosquitoes. Are you sure there'd be like,
0: there wouldn't be enough food for spiders then, and then the spiders would all die out and- and that would, the
1: birds and then the cats and the right. dogs and the goats and the, you know, all the stuff that the little old lady ate. Yes. That's a big problem. See, there's a problem <laughs> if all the mosquitoes die.
0: <laughs> all right. We got one more email. Can I get to it? Sure, please. All right. Chris in Toronto writes, holy crap. In the opening scene where Madison is talking to that girl, <laughs> this is funny, Jason, and they slowly panned the camera out. I thought briefly she was talking to herself.
1: I'm not alone.
0: I was thinking, oh my God, here we go again with the hallucinations. See, (laughs) I'm not an idiot. No, I never said (laughs) you were. I just think it's funny that Chris wrote in about the very same thing. So, uh, yeah, but not a hallucination and that's good news for everybody, I think, including Madison.
1: Yeah. She's a real spy. And Charlie. Yeah. Can you imagine if she was a hallucinatory? Hallucinatory?
0: Hallucinatory.
1: Hallucinatory spy? Yeah, that'd be weird. (laughs)
0: That means Madison would be a spy. Oh my (sighs) God. I don't even want to think about, I don't even want to get into that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks everyone for writing in. And it's very exciting that we had two amazing episodes of Fear the Walking Dead to start season four. So I'm excited about podcasting about it the rest of the way on. Um, From here on, we will be recording once a week on Monday nights to talk about the new episode. And uh, we will include some of your feedback in each episode, just like we did tonight. So don't feel like you don't have to write anything in. Please do continue to call and write in, and we'll get some of it on the show if we can. Um, I'm happy to report that it is three-one Toronto Maple Leafs with forty seconds to go in the third period. So it looks Holy like we're
1: jumping, Joseph. Looks
0: like we are going to game seven in a Shut couple up. of nights. What the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> well, okay, fine. I suppose Boston could score twice in thirty-seven point seven seconds. It's but, the Leafs. Uh, Hey, man, it, this isn't the Leafs of the 80s and the 90s. This is the 2018 Toronto Maple Leafs that are one of the top teams in the league. So get out of the goddamn first round, boys. Come on. Uh, anyways.
1: Is this the game that decides that or do they have to play another game? No,
0: no, no. This is game six. If they win, they go to game seven and then it's best seven. So whoever wins game seven goes to round two.
1: Right. So they very well could lose the whole thing. They st- win this game and still lose. Yeah, yeah,
0: of course. That's the way it okay. goes but
1: they're not out yet. Uh, All right. I'm
0: excited about that. And I'm sure the listeners are all, most of the listeners are thinking, God, I hope the, I hope they get eliminated soon. So this idiot stops talking about it all the time, Uh, but I can't help it.
1: Why aren't they called the maple leaves? Come on. I know why they're not. Don't, don't tell me.
0: All right. Anyone who wants to know, you can, you can Google that. Okay. So we'll be back next week. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by visiting talking dead podcast at gmail.com. Click on send voicemail at the top and you re- can record a message to us. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash the talking dead or on Twitter at Talking Dead. And of course, you can send any emails to Talking Dead Podcast at gmail.com. So we'll see you next week when we're talking about the next episode of Fear the Walking Dead. In the meantime, though, if you're a fan of Ash versus Evil Dead TV show on stars, why don't you check out the one of the other podcasts I do, the Evil Dead cast with Jason and Rich over on the Podcastica network. That show, I'm afraid, has been cancelled, so there will be no more Ash vs. Evil Dead after this Sunday's Season 3 finale. But um, we're looking forward to podcasting about the final episode, and it's been a fantastic show for three years. So if you're a fan of that and you haven't listened, by all means, go check us out over there. We got one more to do this Friday night, and it will come out on Sunday.
1: Wait, you're calling it quits on the podcast right after the show finishes. We're
0: doing a, we're do, we're covering the final episode and I think that'll be it. I mean, maybe we'll do one more, but the plan is right now to, to just finish off with that one. I think. Huh? Yeah. That's probably want to do that with the walking dead. That's probably not what we'll do on this show. No. When the walking dead someday goes off the air, but uh, for Ash versus evil dead you know, if you've been watching it and you haven't been listening, I say check it out. Check us out. And it's it's super fun. The show is fan-frickin-tastic. I'm bummed they're canceling it, but I have a feeling we're going to go out on a high note with this show. So check that out at podcastica.com if you are a fan of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Otherwise, that's all I've got. So uh, congratulations, Fear, for starting so strong, and we'll see you again in about a week's time. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye.